Everyone, it is Wednesday and we are selling Sacramento. You are listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. And just a reminder, Selling Sacramento is brought to you by Matthews and Company Realty Group, where I, Agent Key, and broker and owner with almost 20 years in the industry. I love helping you buy, sell, and retain real estate. If you have a home to sell and if you're ready to have the conversation and map out a plan towards home ownership, visit my website at agentkey.com, A-G-E-N-T-K-E-E. Dot com. Schedule your free consultation. And there you can email me, chat with me, set up a new buyer consultation or start the process of getting your home sold. We are live right now on Facebook and LinkedIn. Just search Selling Sacramento Agent Key on your favorite platform and join the conversation. Let me know that you are there by typing in the chat. Hello, Miss Belinda. I see you. Hey, so I'm going to make it a point to stop and check the chat as I go throughout the show. I'm getting better, y'all. I'm getting better. So on today's segment, we are talking about, this is the conclusion, the conclusion, ongoing and responsible financial management. That is the topic of our t- of our show today. As we are about to wrap up an enlightening month of August, we're going to take a quick jog down memory lane and we're going to review the nuggets that we've gathered. In case you did not tune in, I'm going to tell you what we talked about, what you missed. The link between homeownership and financial freedom was when our journey began on August 2nd, we unveiled the undeniable link between homeownership and financial freedom. We discovered that owning a home isn't just about having a roof over our heads. It's about building equity, leveraging it for future opportunities and providing a stable foundation for our financial ventures. The week after that, we tackled how to jump from renting to owning strategies for achieving financial freedom through home ownership. We delved into strategies to pave your pathway to financial freedom for home ownership as we found it is the most powerful wealth building tool from understanding mortgage rates to scouting the right neighborhoods, location, 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 and the journey from being a renter to home ownership. It is filled with lots of informed choices and strategic moves that we need to be aware of. And then after that, on August 16th, we shifted gears to building wealth through homeownership and beyond. We discussed how homeownership could be a springboard for broader wealth building. Beyond the brick and mortar of our home lies the opportunities for real estate investments, leveraging the property's equity, and diversifying our portfolios to ensure a holistic growth in wealth. What does that mean? Don't put all your eggs in one basket by just buying a home. Don't just stop there. You can then utilize that home to expand your wealth. And finally, you know, with any journey, there are bumps along the way. So we dedicated August 23rd to addressing those challenges and the considerations in homeownership with wealth building. Our special guests on our show last week were the Financial Empowerment, the Sacramento Financial Empowerment Center, and they did an awesome job. They even appeared at our lab this last Saturday and just hit it out the park with all of the information they provided about creating a budget and building your credit. And 
I'll have their information for you on my website. If you go to, no, actually, yeah, I'll put it on the agentkey.com. So give me about 24 hours and I'll put it up on the agentkey.com website under resources tab. And then it will also be available on the joinclub100.com website because with the Sacramento Financial Empowerment Center, first of all, their services are free. And second, you can join and schedule team up with a financial coach and get your financial house in order. And now is the time to do that. I heard on Bloomberg News yesterday that the feds have been talking and guess what they've been saying? They think they've increased rates high enough. What did I tell you all? And not that I'm some type of mystical, you know, clairvoyant, you know, what goes up comes down. So guess what they're going to be talking about next? When to decrease interest rates. You don't want to wait to see the rate get decreased for you to then decide that you're going to prepare to take advantage of the opportunities. You want to prepare now. Okay. Miss Emma Ty, I see you. Hi, and how are you? Yes. Melinda said, yes, that's what I'm here for. That's right. That's right. And so now, dear listeners, we step into today's episode. We're tying everything together while understanding the nuances of homeownership and wealth creation is vital, sustaining that wealth responsibility is the key to lifelong financial freedom. Oftentimes, and, and we've heard this before from uh, sports athletes, stars, the stars that make millions, they get these contracts that are millions and millions of dollars. Uh, folks who win the lottery, uh, folks who win at, in the casino, when, when money is just dropped in your lap instantly and you don't have any financial management skills, it will not remain. You will gain it and then you will lose it. And so you want to be prepared, whether no matter how you gain that money, if you if you take the steps of buying a home, that is a vehicle that you can then use as a tool, tool towards building your wealth. But you want to be positioned anyway all day in the event something does just drop in your financial in your lap financially, so that you can make sure that you springboard that opportunity. So we're going to unravel the secrets of ongoing and responsible financial management. We're going to ensure that the wealth we build serves us, our families, and future generations. So with that, welcome to our final August session on Selling Sacramento. Let's dive right in, starting with number one, the pillars of responsible financial management. The bedrock principles of financial mastery. We're going to embark on this journey and we're going to dissect what it truly takes to stand firm in the turbulent tides of economic uncertainty because stuff happens. Life happens. One minute you got it. The next minute you got to use it all on something you had no intention on spending it for. So let's start with this linchpin of financial discipline. That's we first have to get it under control because life happens. But sometimes when life happens, the money could have been there. Have you ever had that happen to you? I've had that happen where I was was not watching my spending and then something happened and I needed money and I looked back and I was like, oh my gosh, had I not purchased that, that money would have been there. And those were the old days. New Keisha is on a budget, y'all. I'm telling y'all, I, every day I have an episode where I am trying to overcome to maintain being on this budget. So financial discipline. It's the act of telling your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. The most successful people will often vouch for the importance of tracking expenses. Every dollar, every cent, knowing where it's going. And this awareness is crucial, not only to understanding our spending habits, 
but also to identify areas of wastage or potential savings. Have you heard of, for example, the 50-30-20 rule? It's a simple yet effective budgeting technique. Allocate 50% of your income to necessities like rent, groceries, and utilities. The next 30 can be directed to your wants, those weekend getaways, you know, dining out, the new gadget that you've been eyeballing, and the remaining 20%, that goes to guess where? Savings or paying down debt or both. 10% towards your savings, 10% to save, paying down that debt. But by using the 50-30-20 rule, now you're able to get a simple yet effective way to see where your money is going, to allocate it properly, and to know that you've been putting it in the right baskets. And can I just say this too? This is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. It's it actually is going to be hard. You're going to tell yourself, I can't do that. But we all know we can do whatever we want to do. If there were that $80 dress that we saw, or, or men, how much do shoes. how much shoes? Men like the Nike shoes or whatever the the and I've seen the price of some of these tennis shoes, but I know some folks that will drop a couple hundred dollars on a pair of tennis shoes, not even blink, and don't really have it, but did it just to have the shoes. I'm not going to call that person irresponsible, but I'm going to say if your goal is to have a more successful financial future, you may want to save up for that purchase versus just drop it and then domino effect sending, sending the rest of your finances into a, a tailspin, Right. So it's not that you have to forego those things. You just have to plan for them. So savings is our next pillar, coincidentally. Think of savings as your financial umbrella. It's always there to shield you when those unexpected rainy days come. Building an emergency, an emergency fund, it's not a luxury. It is a necessity. An unexpected medical bill, a sudden car repair, or even loss of your job suddenly. It happens. Life is full of surprises. And an emergency fund will ensure that these surprises do not derail your financial journey. Now, a common sense question is, how much should I be saving from my income, right? While the 20% from our 50, 30, 20% rule is a great starting point, the actual figure, it may vary based on personal circumstances. Some people may not be able to take 20%. You may have to do 10. Some of us might just need to start with five, just the principle, just the building up the habit of saving. And maybe it's not even putting it in the bank initially. Maybe it's just taking, you, some of us carry cash still. Instead of spending everything in the wallet, take the take $5 out every day or, you know, however much, a dollar a day and start putting it away in something you can visibly see where you are watching yourself in action create the savings. And then at the end of the month, take that money, put it in a bank. By the way, let me stop right here and say that it's important too that you create a separate bank account possibly even at a different banking institution from where you normally bank, possibly even somewhere that you don't have access to immediately as we're talking about creating this savings account. You understand why, right? The further away it is, the less accessible it is for you, the easier it may be for it to remain and the easier it's going to be for you to not give in to the desire to want to go and get it if you put some obstacles in front of how you can access it. So having that emergency fund is very important. You can channel savings towards specific long-term goals. And, you know, that could be the home purchase, the down payment, closing costs, whatever you need. 
you know, a, a, if you want to go on vacation, early retirement and name the account that that was one of the takeaways that I got from our class from the Financial Empowerment Center on Saturday. They suggested that you name your savings account because we can give it nicknames if you bank online. Call it what it is that you're saving the money for. Home purchase, dream home, dream vacation. And guess what happens there? Psychologically, you then become hindered from pulling from that because, you know, you, that, that if that account is is named child's educate child's college fund. You know, if my daughter's name is Zora, if it said Zora's college fund, I'd have a tough time taking money out of that account. So if you name it, that makes it even more personal and will possibly prohibit you from taking that money out. So our next pillar is our third pillar, and that's debt management. And this is the balancing act. Debt management. Debt, when it's not managed, can quickly spiral into a financial quagmire. Yeah. I used the word quagmire. <laughs> <laughs> These are those words that you learn in junior high and elementary. Mm-hmm. You have no idea you'd be using them. Here we go. The key lies in understanding and managing it responsibly. So for homeowners, that often means finding strategies to pay down mortgages faster. And this could be through making biweekly payments or dedicating windfalls like bonuses towards mortgage principal reductions, that tax refund, that extra money that you get, throwing it at the principal. I actually, I told you all that I'm taking this business class now at City College and the class started a couple of weeks ago. Our assignment for last week was, guess what? Come up with a budget a personal budget. And we had to do a one year with two financial goals, a two year with two financial goals and a, well, two to five year with two financial goals. And then a five year or longer with two financial goals. And one of my long-term, remember how I said, I'm going to pay off my mortgage last year. Okay. Well, I pulled it in. Common sense came back and said, okay, Keisha, maybe you can, but let's just give yourself a little more time. (laughs) So I put that financial goal in my two to five year personal financial plan to pay off my mortgage. And you had to create your financial plan using SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T. Let me look this up so I don't forget. SMART goals are specific, the the concept of SMART goals, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. So I couldn't just say, I want to pay off my mortgage uh, in five years. So since this is 2023, I had to count out and say by 2020, by De- I think I wrote by December 2028, I will have paid off my mortgage. And then you have to put the how. And so then the how is going back to how I'm managing my money. So mine is to, of course, put money, more money down towards my principal. But I actually was very specific with how I was going to apply that money to my principal an additional $500 every month at the principal and increasing that as I was paying down other debt, because when you pay down other debt and when that other debt is paid up, then that frees up that money. And then you can take that money because you've had those habits now of paying off the debt and you can take that money and throw it at another debt. So my option is to take the extra money after certain debts are paid off and throw it at the principal in order to get it paid down. And not only that, but creating an additional stream of income I was real specific. I'm serious about this thing. An additional stream of income where at least 50% of that income goes towards me, paying down that principle. So another thing happens too, when you put it in writing, it makes it even more real and more tangible and more, your brain goes to work on figuring out how to make it happen. 
And then God just starts dropping things and opening doors. Did you did, did y'all know that? Look, I studied what I said. I got excited when you move towards making a change or an improvement in your life or whatever you move towards for that, for that matter, be it positive or negative, whatever you move towards, that thing starts coming towards you. So that's why I always caution. I, I don't hang around negative folk. I, I just don't do it. I caution you all be careful who you hang around and the things you say, because it is true. What you put out comes back. And so if you start moving towards achieving your financial goals, then Lord's going to be like, oh, okay, I see what you're trying to do there. Let me just drop this in your lap. Test it. Test him and see. Test him and see. So we're talking about the debt management pillar. It's not just about the big debts. It's also the little plastic cards, y'all. If I'm stepping on some toes, I apologize, but we swipe them so effortlessly. Credit card debt can quickly accumulate and become overwhelming due to high interest rates. And so the golden rule, there's two golden rules. Try to pay off the full balance each month. That's rule number one. Rule number two is never use more than 30% of the allowable credit on your credit card. So if you have a $1,000 line of credit, you should not be using more than $300 a month on that credit card. Because now not only are we getting into controlling your debt, but now we're talking about improving your credit score. One of my other financial goals is to be in the 800 club before this month, before this year is over. 800 credit score club. When you're in the 800 club, the whole world becomes open to you. And so that's our goal is to get to the 800 clubs because we're going to pay our bills. We pay our bills on time. That's the mantra. Say it every morning. I pay my bills on time. Mean it and believe it. And so you will stop in your tracks when you get ready to spend more than 30% on that credit card. And if you have already done it, do not beat yourself up. This is the time to step back and say, I'm going to get it right. And guess what? If you mess up or if you have to use more than 30% of your credit card, still don't beat yourself up. Just keep fixing it until you get it right. You don't lose until you quit trying. And we we don't quit. We, we just don't. Okay. I was going to say a whole lot more, but let me stop so we can get this going. <laughs> so in conclusion, our financial journey is built on these three pillars, budgeting, savings, and debt, debt management. Budgeting, saving, and debt management. They are the compass, those threes. They guide us through the landscape of, of our financial decisions, and they ensure that we remain on the path of stability and growth. So stay with us. We're going to take a break. But as we navigate deeper into these realms in our upcoming segments, remember financial freedom is not just about making money, but managing it responsibly. And we are just scratching the surface of the immense value and ongoing responsibility that financial management can bring to our lives. So stay tuned to learn more about property and real estate management, but more importantly, financial management. You're listening to 97.5 FMKDEE. I am Agent Key. And I'll be right back. Able Key. Hey, everyone, we're back. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. Just want to say hello to everyone watching online. Miss Belinda, Miss Emma Ty, Miss Laura, hello. DM Matthews Murphy is my auntie, y'all. She said, me too. She is trying to be in the 800 club. Yes, she might already be. Let me see. Emma Ty says, when will we know 
who has been selected for the culture program? That is a great question. And that question can be answered by Ashley Garner with culture. And so Emma Ty, I have your contact information. So I'll connect you with her so that um, she can answer that question for you. And then I'll give the information to everybody else because that's an excellent question. Next steps on that program. That's going to be an awesome program. And so we are back and we're talking about we are talking about financial management, the three bil- the three pillars before we went on break, budgeting, savings, and debt management. And now that we're back, we're talking about ongoing property and real estate management. We're going to discuss maintenance, property taxes, and viewing real estate as an investment. You often hear me say that homeownership is more than just a home or shelter over your head. It's also an investment. And that is what this entire show today is about to help you understand the concept that when you buy a home, it is a platform from which you can build more wealth. So don't just see it as a home purchase. When you think of it in that manner, it also helps you if you're making your first home purchase to not get too twisted and bothered in the event that you're buying a home that you may not necessarily love or see yourself living in forever. Making the sacrifice to buy a home just to get in the game can pay huge dividends, literally, y'all. If you have to buy a home, if you want, if the goal is a four bed, three bath, you know, beautiful home in El Dorado Hills or Elk Grove or North Oak Park or, you know, some prominent area where everybody's yards are landscapes, the, the roads are wider and the neighbors all waving high but the cost is six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars You don't just sit on the sideline and count yourself out of home ownership. You say, well, that is a house that I would like to buy someday. And maybe right now I can't afford it. And by the way, don't pre-approve yourself. One of our lender partners, I think it's Joe Green that says, don't pre-approve yourself. And what he means by that is you don't have the tools necessary to evaluate or assess what you qualify for. So go have the conversation with a lender and take what we call a financial snapshot. Let them pull your credit. Let them position you for what steps you need to take to get to where you want to be. The only way you can do that is by knowing what is your real credit score, not the one on Credit Sesame, the mortgage credit score, the one that lenders look at. You need to know how much income you're bringing in, how much of that qualifies you towards a home so that you can make the decision whether or not you need to go and get some more income for that house that you want, right? You need to know what's going on on your credit so that you can make the right fixes. And don't just go to some person that says, says they fix credit and then they make everything on your credit report disappear. Because guess what? The mortgage lender needs to see credit history. So you may be deleting things from your credit report that could help you. We've seen it happen where if you have had a, a, a charge card and you you stop using and you haven't used it in 20 years. And so you just go delete it. You just got rid of a huge part of what makes up your credit score. And it could have helped you tremendously. So you got to sit down in front of the professionals, let them make the assessment for you. And from there, map out the plan to get to where you want to be. Now, going back to that first house versus that last house, the goal is the bigger house for some of us, right? But initially just to get in, You want to get what you qualify for. You want to be prepared. You want to prepare now to get what you can qualify for because you're paying somebody's mortgage, whether you buy or rent. 
And if you decide I'm going to wait until I save and can afford my bigger home before I make that move and buy a home, let's say you wait five years. Yep, I'm reaching for my calculator. Mm -hmm. Let's say you wait five years and anybody watching me online, throw out a rent number. What, what would you say is the average price of the average rent payment? 2,500 a month? Okay, I'm gonna use 2,500 a month. So if I'm paying 2,500 a month for 12 months, that's $30,000, $30,000 of my dollars that I just paid to somebody else to help them pay their mortgage. But wait, there's more because I'm going to wait five years before I pull the trigger and buy my house. So I'm paying $30,000 a year for five years. And I'm doing you all a favor because I'm not you. Y'all know what happens with rent every year. It goes up. I'm capping it at 2,500, but we know that this number that's about to come out of my mouth in five years is going to be more. $150,000. Yes, let that sink in. $150,000. And I encourage you to take that little test yourself. How much are you paying for rent now? Multiply that by 12. That's what you're going to be paying on at, at a minimum from this time to from right now to this time next year. Multiply that by however many years you plan on staying in wherever you are before you make a decision to purchase. Here's something that I have everyone do in our lab. I tell them to take that rent number and multiply it by how long they've been renting. That And I tell them, make sure when you say it out loud, you put the word dollars on the end of it. So some people will say they've been renting 10 or 15 years. So let's, I'm just going to make it feel a little less painful. And let's say the rent is just $2,000 a month, $2,000 a month times 12 That's $24,000 a year. And for someone who's been renting for 15 years, that is $360,000 that has gone through your hands. And I'm, I like to share those examples because it's important to see when people say, oh, I don't have that kind of, yes, you did, you do, and you will. 15 years ago, you were not making as much money as you're making today. You may not think it's a lot. It may not feel like a lot to you, but what matters is what you do with the money that you have. And so that is why financial management is so important. So in real estate, when we're talking about ongoing property and real estate management, it's because owning a home, it's not just about holding a set of keys. It's about ongoing management and maximizing its potential. You've got to take care of the investment if you want to get a favorable return when you plan to sell it or when you plan to maximize it. So one of the most overlooked aspects of property ownership is maintenance. You have to keep your property in top-notch condition, and it's not merely for aesthetics. It's a sound financial condition. Think about it. A minor roof leak today, if you ignore it, can lead to significant water damage, mold issues, and substantial repair costs in the future. When you get ready to sell that home, if you need to sell it or you need to refinance it and they have an inspector come through there or if it's a buyer that wants to buy the home and they do inspections, they are going to ask that you repair those things. So something that you could have taken care of earlier now is going to cost you more in the future. We don't want to be that person. We want to make sure we are taking care of things when they happen, and we want to be financially equipped to do so. 
and not just financial financially there are other tools that if you have them in place will help you like a home warranty like your homeowner's insurance keeping those things up those are small investments today that will help you should something happen later and then in the future when you get ready to sell if you need to sell refinance whatever your home will be ready for you to maximize whatever it is that you need from it. So spending on timely repairs today can save you a significant amount of money in the long run. It preserves the value of your home. It ensures that your home is safe for yourself and it can enhance your home's value. So the next time that you think about postponing that maintenance task, remember it's not an expense, it is an investment. Next, we have property taxes and recurring costs. Those are These are the things that are just constantly going to happen. If you pay off your home, once I pay off my home, guess what I still have to pay every half a year? <laughs> property taxes. Insurance. Every Yes, insurance and property. We're going to talk about all that. So owning a property, it comes with a set of constants, property taxes and other recurring costs. These are not inevitable. But instead of viewing them like in fear or in dread, you're going to be a savvy homeowner and you're going to prepare for them, right? We are savvy homeowners. That's what this is all about because we're going to set aside phones and we're going to understand the breakdown of taxes and we're going to be aware of when they do and how they can save us from last minute financial scrambles. So are there tax incentives or re, uh, rebates available for homeowners in your area? You got to find out. Are there energy efficient upgrade rebates or first time homeowner rebates available? Tax credits. Being proactive about that information helps you manage these unavoidable costs and can also lead to surprising savings. This, I want to put a tag on and say, is where it's important to have a great tax advisor, someone who also owns a home, someone who's working with other folks who own homes, because they're going to know all the tools of the trade. They're going to tell you what things you need to be doing to maximize when it comes to your taxes and being able to benefit from these types of savings that are available to you as a homeowner. So real estate as a living asset, that's our next area, what we want to discuss. We're going to talk about this from an investor's perspective. Again, owning a property is not about having a home. It's an asset. I'm going to keep saying it. It's a living, breathing asset that can grow, adapt, and change. So regularly evaluate your property's value. Having a connection to a real estate professional can help you with that. Ask them to put you on some type of system. They all, we all have the system. We're, we can put you on a system to send you an update every month, every quarter, every half a year or annually where you receive an automatic, automatic CMA, comparable market analysis that gives you the value of your home. And it shows you what other properties are selling for in your area. You don't even have to go to, to Zillow to try to figure that out. You can get put on an, a revolving system with a real estate professional who has the capacity to send you that whenever you want it. So evaluate your property's value, understand its potential, and consider things like rental income or resale value because they are all a part of being a savvy real estate manager of your property. With that being said, I also want to talk about improvements, making improvements to your home. Be careful to not get caught in that DIY rut, the do-it-yourself. We are, and I've shared this on the show before, HGTV has been a two-edged sword. It's created uh, a lot of individuals who believe, and some of us can successfully go in and improve our homes, and it looks amazing. And then there are others of us who try this, and we're not so successful. And I'm laughing because, of course, some, some projects are coming to mind. But the real 
the real part of the story that I want to emphasize is that when you get ready to sell the home, the two-edged sword is that HGTV has also made us very savvy home buyers. We know what to look for. You know, 15, 20 years ago, we didn't know anything about baseboards and crown molding and granite and different types of tiles. And, you know, we didn't know that. But now we do. We know what to look for. We know what quality craftsmanship looks like. Some of us even know, so we know color schemes and, and mm-hmm. interior designs and things that work and things that don't. Pantone, some of you, if I use the word Pantone colors, some of y'all know what that means. And <laughs> we didn't know that before. And I say that to say that if you take it upon yourself to go in and DIY, you may be bringing down the value of your home. What looks good to you may not be appropriate for the next person that's wanting to buy that property, especially if you do something called overbuilding for the area. If you live in a neighborhood that's majority three bed, two baths home, two, three bed, two bath homes, because that's what the builder did for that particular area. And you decide to throw in a four bedroom home. And I don't know what else you might do with that. Anything that you do that's outside what's normally happening to improve the home is called over improving, especially when you think that you're going to get, and here's the problem, because you think you're going to get more for it when you get ready to sell it. But the homes in that particular area, even the ones selling at top dollar that have been built, remodeled and just look brand new, brand new finishes, you know, beautiful countertops, all new windows, brand new roof. Let's say those houses are selling at 500,000 and you've gone and you've added, not only did you add a fourth bedroom, but you put an ADU in the backyard. You've got, uh, you've got things that the other homes in the area don't have. And now you have that home listed at 600,000. Walk with me. Within a half mile radius is another neighborhood where they're selling, where they've got larger lots, four bed, three bath homes. And when I say larger lots, that's because it's ADU possible, right? You can put an ADU back there. And those are selling at 560. You've listed your 600,000 home in this $500,000 community. And just a half mile away, here are these other homes. If I'm a buyer and I've got 600,000, I'm not buying in that $500,000 community unless this house just really knocked me off my feet and it just had everything I needed. I'm going over to the $600,000 community where I can get the same house for what I say, 560. Yes. I'm going over there and then I'll put in a little $20,000 ADU on my own and I'm still not paying $600,000. So that, and I hope you were able to follow that, but I tried to make it really simple. Don't over improve your investment. It's not just your home. It is an investment because one day you or someone will need to sell that. And if you over-improve or you don't maintain it, you're going to make it difficult to sell or you're going to lose a lot of money in the equity, okay? So look for those things. Is your neighborhood seeing new developments or amenities? These things could boost your property's value. Maybe there's potential to renovate or upgrade your home, increasing its market appeal, but make sure you don't over-improve. Or it could be an opportune time to consider renting out a portion of your property for passive income. You've got to regularly evaluate, ensuring that you're not leaving money on the table. So ongoing property and real estate management, it's a privilege and a responsibility. Beyond the walls and the roofs, there's a world of management and opportunity. So from being diligent in maintaining the property to making sure that you are an astute financial planner 
for recurring costs to viewing real estate as an ever-evolving investment. That's the journey of a well-informed property owner. And we are going to be, we are well-informed property owners. Next, we're going to talk about continuous education, financial literacy, or based on uh, the Financial Empowerment Center's appearance last week, I want to now say financial empowerment and planning for the future, retirement and legacy. We're going to emphasize the importance of staying updated, diving into resources, seeking professional advice, and then transitioning into the relevance of homeownership and retirement strategies, estate planning, and protective measures. We've been talking about a lot. Let me go to the chat here and see if I have missed off a few things. Oh, there's Mr. Roland saying hello. Hi, sir. How you doing? Good to see you there. All right. So the financial world, it isn't static. It's ever evolving. It's important that we stay in tune with what's happening. My car is tuned to Bloomberg, CNN, and one other. Can't remember off the top of my head. Which one? MSNBC. MSNBC? No. Is it? I don't know. There was one. It was a new one. It could be. It could be. Oh, he said that's all I got. But the point is, is that it's tuned, in, tuned into those stations so that I can immediately hear what's happening nationwide with, with finances, with like today, there's the hurricane that's happening. There are the fires that are happening up north. There's this, there was the fire in Hawaii. So many different things going on that we want to be able to make sure that we stay in tune with. Uh, that's where I also heard that the feds are making the, are talking about rates have gone high enough and there are conversations now about them possibly reducing rates and when to reduce them. Had I not been listening to that, I would not have heard that. But hearing this type of information helps you in, helps us in our planning on how we, how we think forward, what should come next. We don't wait for things to happen. An effective financial manager doesn't wait for things to happen. An effective financial manager plans before it happens. And in addition, an effective financial manager plans for what they want to have happen. So we get to make the decision of what we want our financial futures to look like, and we can do it effectively when we plan and when we keep our eyes on what's on the horizon, okay? So because it's not static, this financial world, because it's ever evolving, it's dynamic, it's influenced by global events, technological advancements, market trends, policy changes, all of that. Remember the housing market in the 90s or even the early 2000s? It's vastly different from today's scenario. Interest rates, investment opportunities, and even the nature of jobs and income have witnessed seismic seismic shifts over the decades. There are jobs now that are being phased out because of AI. There are jobs that where they're talking about phasing them out because of AI. The writers have been on strike. The actors have been on strike. Um, folks in the medical field have been on strike, all trying to hold on to their jobs that are potentially going to be taken over by AI. Nobody saw AI coming. So do we run? Do we sit and freeze? Or do we get in front of it? You want to be exposing yourself to just the basics, if possible, about what AI is and how it's going to impact your future. And the only way to know is by taking a dive, just just getting, Google it. <laughs> Google AI basics and watch a couple of videos. 
so that you understand what it is and how it works so that you can assess how it's going to impact your life, how it already is impacting your life, right? So continuous learning, it isn't just beneficial, it is crucial to ensure that our strategies, our decisions, and our knowledge remain relevant and effective. Imagine sailing in the ever-changing winds. You'd constantly need to adjust your sails. That is what continuous education does for you in the vast ocean of finance. And then just continuing education in general. The day you decide you know it all is the day you stop learning. And the day you stop learning is the day you start going backwards. And then you become that bitter person who gets mad at everything else going on around you in the world because you decided to stop living with the rest of the world and stop moving forward. We're not going to be those people, right? So resources, I'm telling you what you need to do, but I'm also going to show, share with you some resources. Resources are a treasure trove of knowledge. The internet is the fastest way, literally at your fingertips, whatever you want. So where does one turn to keep up with these shifting sands? Luckily, we are in that age of overflow when it comes to resources. There's a treasure trove of books out there, Classics like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, we've all heard of that, to modern masterpieces that dissect nuances of today's financial landscape. Dive in and let them guide your thinking. If anybody is watching online, type in the chat some of the resources that you use for your financial planning. Who are those Who are those gurus that you turn to? Um, type it in the chat, and so I'll share it with our audience. Who, who do you listen to um, on a daily or a weekly basis to help you line up the direction that your financial um, picture is going to go in. Susie Orman is a good one. Um, there, there are so many others. I, the list can go on and on, but I'm going to look to the chat in a moment here and let them type that in. And then I'll share with you. I personally listen to, I, I use a, an app called Audible. And in the Audible app, I've created a library over the years. I literally have hundreds of books, audiobooks in my library. I've created a method that's convenient for me to get this information. I love books and I would love to be able to sit down and curl up to a good book, you know, especially if it's raining outside and a cozy little winter and read for a while, an hour or two. Those are pleasurable moments for me that I have to create and carve out. I don't get to do that all the time. And if that's the only way I got my knowledge, I wouldn't be getting enough knowledge. So I had to find another way to consistently get the knowledge that I need. So Audible, the audio books are good for me because I'm constantly in my car, constantly on the go. So I can just pop it in. Even when I'm walking around the house this morning and, and getting uh, ready for the show, had my audio book going and just had it turned up in the house as I'm walking around so that I'm taking that information in. And so I'm looking in the chat and FEC, my realtor. Oh, oh that's Imitide giving Joe Green some props. Okay. And so... Um, you have to find what works for you, okay? So whether it is audiobooks or even going to YouTube and type in financial management tools, you'll get tons of videos and you don't have to necessarily watch them. You can turn on the video and listen to the audio and it's all good. Just find whatever works for you. If it's in the car and you, you want to turn on, um, what did I say? I listened to Bloomberg. I get Bloomberg because I subscribe to the satellite, uh, Sirius Satellite. So for me, Sirius Satellite is an investment. It's an investment. I pay that bill every month. That's a bill I don't let go because of what I get from it. I, I'm able to hear Bloomberg and it, it might be MSNBC and <laughs> CNN, you know, and those others, right? So do what works best for you. 
We don't want to forget about the podcast because that is another area where you can get that information. Those financial gurus all have podcasts. So they share their insights and their experiences. These are tools. These are resources. And when I say podcasts, that is like, for example, for someone that may not know what I'm referring to, I have an app called Spotify. Podcasts are um, actually I'll name several of them and you can check them out. If you are writing, if you're taking notes, I want to make sure I give you exact tools on how you can make this happen for you. And I'm actually, if you go to my website on my blog, you click on any of my blog stories and I'm doing that right now. And down at the bottom, the last paragraph tells you, tune in for more insights. For a deeper dive into the topics discussed in this blog, I invite you to listen to the corresponding episode on my podcast, Selling Sacramento Insights from Agent Key. And it goes on to tell you where you can find them. So this is a list of other podcasts. If you go there and you click on them, they're hot. They're hot tabs, meaning you can click on them and it'll take you right to that podcast. Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. So those are just a few. But if you go to my site at agentkey.com, click on the blog tab, click on any of those blog stories, scroll to the end, and there you'll see a list of the different podcasts. Click on those podcasts and type in Financial Gurus. Find one that you like. Be very careful of getting your information from Instagram and what's that other one? Um, who? <laughs> well, Facebook. But mainly I'm thinking Instagram and then there's a TikTok. That's what I wanted. TikTok. It's all right. I know. <laughs> but, and the reason I'm saying be leery is because there's a formula for social media status that if you figure it out, you can overnight garner 20, 30,000 followers. It does not make you an authority at all. It just means you crack the code. But sadly, once you've cracked the code, now whatever you post sounds credible. And I have seen some very not credible stuff on those sites. Did we just go right through? Yep. We just went right through the um, break. the break. We, we, we got to get ready to end the show. But okay. So be careful getting your information from Snapchat, oh, Snapchat, <laughs> from um, social media sites like um, TikTok and Instagram. Make sure that the person is actually has actually been in the financial industry for at least 10, 15 years. They need to have seen some cycles in order to be able to tell you what you should be doing with your money. So I want to close out and say this, and you can go to my website. I'm going to put a blog up for this entire show so that you can get more information. As we wind down, I want to thank you to everybody who shared online. And it's evident that while we each have our financial journeys individually and they're unique, the principles and the challenges often resonate universally. universally. That we're, we're more alike than we are not alike. Your insights and questions have enriched the conversation. And we're going to cement the foundations we learned today. Ongoing responsible financial management is not just about numbers and balance sheets. It's a reflection of the choices that we make, the discipline that we embrace, and the choice, the vision that we hold for our future. It's the compass that guides our journey from dreams to reality. And it ensures that we don't just reach our destination, but we truly savor the voyage. And so as we wrap up, I'm inviting you to share your questions and stories with us as we keep going. This, this is a living document. 
So as you're watching this online, keep putting your information in the chat. Thank you for joining us today. Stay empowered and stay informed. We're going to transform your dreams into reality. I hope that you'll join us again next week. And we're going to continue building, growing, and thriving for the rest of this year. And if you've been with us online, remember to continue to share your thoughts. To those who are tuned in on the radio, tune in tune in again next week for more valuable insights on selling Sacramento, brought to you by Matthews & Company Realty Group. Remember, make money, save time, and sell your home fast. With me, Agent Key, the voice you know and trust when it comes to selling Sacramento. Get started today at agentkey.com. And until next time, strength, wellness, and love. And remember, if you are doing what you were created to do, I will see you at the top. Agent Key, Agent Key, is selling Sacramento. Yeah.